Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go, John chapter 16. And of course, these red letters just flow all through 15 and right into 16. So 16 starts off like this. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say. Of course, Jesus is talking about the persecution that his disciples will endure. And they did. We saw it in the book of Acts, and we've read about it in history. He goes on to say, he goes on to say, And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. In other words, now I'm about to leave, so I want to make sure that you're aware of what will happen after I'm gone. Verse 5. But now I go away to, now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. That's the Holy Spirit. The helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So notice, Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to do these three things. He's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And then he goes on to say, he's going to convict them of sin because they do not believe in me. They need to be convicted of sin. People that do not feel convicted of their sin, they've somehow rationalized it away. Well, they're not compelled. The gospel doesn't sound like good news to them because they don't see that they need it. They need to be convicted of their sin so that they'll realize they need a Savior. So he says of sin, verse 9, because they do not believe in me, the Holy Spirit will convict them of righteousness because I go to my Father and they see me no more. While Jesus is here, They're seeing righteousness in a person. They're seeing what righteousness looks like, what righteousness talks like, what righteousness is, how righteousness acts. See, but he said when the Holy Spirit comes and I'm not here anymore, the Holy Spirit is going to be convicting people of what is right and what is wrong, what is wrong of righteousness. And then he goes on to say, and the Holy Spirit will convict them of judgment because the ruler, the ruler of this world is judged. That's Satan. Okay, but the Holy Spirit's going going to convict people. Let's say it like this. He's going to convince them that there's a judgment that's coming. Isn't that a loving thing to do, to convict people of their sins so that they'll know they need a Savior? To convict them of righteousness so so that they'll know what's right and wrong? To convict them of judgment so that they'll know that they can't just live by their own rules and get away with it, but there's going to be a judgment at the end of the age? Isn't that a loving thing to do? Absolutely it is. So this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the world, to convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. 
Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You won't be able to handle everything that I need to say to you. However, verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So he just finished talking about what the Holy Spirit's role is to the world. Now he's talking about what the Holy Spirit's role is to us, the church, believers, the body of Christ. And he says, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. And it goes on to say, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So in uh, the next chapter, when Jesus prays, Jesus is going to say to the father in, uh, in John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Well, here he says the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit will guide us into the word of God, help us to interpret it properly, understand it and such, navigate life using the principles of the word. But he says the Holy Spirit will also show you things to come. He'll tell you things to come in advance. And I've had the Holy Spirit do this to me many times to tip me off to what's coming so that we can make better decisions than anybody with, a, with natural wisdom. So it goes on to say, or I should say Jesus goes on to say, he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me as Jesus, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So this is a, the beautiful working together of the Trinity, that the Father has given all things to the Son. And when the Holy Spirit comes in place of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will tell us and reveal to us all that belongs to Jesus that came from the Father. And then Jesus makes this statement. He says, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Now, why does the Holy Spirit need to declare it to us? <laughs> well, because when you're born again, you become one with Christ. In fact, Paul says, we become heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So whatever belongs to Jesus now in Christ belongs to us as well, including the authority in his name, the Holy Spirit's power, etc. All right, verse 16. He goes on to say, A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us, A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, and because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, What is this that he says, A little while? We do not know what he is saying. So John is capturing how they were muttering this amongst themselves. What is he talking about? And then verse 19, now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. And he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while and you will not see me? And again, a little while and you will see me. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. In other words, when I die, you're going to weep and lament, but the world, people that they don't like me. They're going to rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow 
but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Well, of course, after he was raised from the dead and he appeared to them, and they finally realized this, this is not a dream. This is real, like this really is the resurrected Jesus, our Lord, our friend, our master. And he said, your sorrow is going to be turned into joy when you realize that this has been planned all along. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. You are on the right track, following the right person. And he said, your, your sorrow is going to be turned into joy. Verse 23, and in that day, you will ask me nothing. This is a very important verse. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. What day? In the day after I'm raised from the dead. And he's talking now about after he ascends to be with the Father. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Now, you've been asking me all this time as we've been together. But in the next season, when I go to be seated at the right hand of the Father, and I'm not directly here with you, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So Jesus is telling them, I'm purchasing for you through the blood of my cross, through my death and resurrection, I'm purchasing for you reconciliation with Father God. And you will now be able to ask him directly for things in my name, and he will give them to you because my name holds clout. My name has authority in heaven with Father God. So I love this. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Think about the word whatever. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Boy, that's a bold statement, but I believe Jesus knows what he's talking about. And of course, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, which this author wrote, also says that we need to ask according to his will. And the 15th chapter, the chapter before this chapter, do you remember Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So we need to have the Lord abiding in us and us abiding in his or his word abiding in us and us abiding in him so that we're asking the right things. And then this is the context of him saying this, that the father will give it to us. Verse 24, I like this. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. He wants our joy to be full by answered prayer. So he's saying, ask, you're not asking for enough things. Okay, verse 24. Five, these things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when, when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you. Isn't this precious? The Father himself loves you because you have loved me. That's awesome right there. The Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me. In other words, I'm so important to the Father. <laughs> Those of you that have studied with us in Operation Solid Lives Level 1, and you know that Jesus is God's daily delight, then you understand how much he loves Jesus and anybody that loves him. The Father loves them for loving him. And so uh, I, I love it when people love my children. And if people criticize my children, well, <laughs> I have to work not to love them less because they're not loving my children. And Jesus said, that's the way the Father is. He loves you himself because you have loved me. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. 
I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this, we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Isn't that a great chapter? And I mean, we could sit and pick out just every single verse of this and expound on it. But let's just sit on this last one. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. That in me you may have peace. Watch the next line. In the world you will have tribulation. Okay, let's put those two together. In fact, let's reverse them. In the world you will have tribulation, but in me you will have peace. So even though you're in the world, even though you suffer hard times, even persecution, but in me you will have peace. This is what Paul calls the peace that surpasses all understanding. It doesn't make sense because the circumstances do not give place to this kind of peace. The circumstances would cause stress, pressure, fear, discouragement, and even depression. And yet, in the Lord, the fellowship with the Lord, knowing that you're on the right track, knowing that you're pleasing Him, doing those things that He wants you to do, that He's pleased with you, that you can have this peace that I'm all right. The Lord's got me. I'm following Him. So these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, in our minds, there's a little disconnect there. In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In our minds, we may say, well, you have, but what about me? I haven't overcome the world. I'm dealing with all this pressure, stress, tribulation, persecution, fear, anxiety, etc. And you're telling me you've overcome the world, but how does that help me? Here's how it helps. Jesus is saying, look, in this life, you may go through things that don't seem like my redemption, don't seem like salvation in me has really made any difference at all. But this life is a little blip on the radar. I mean, this is just, boop, and it's over. And then for all of eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, we could say zillions of years and beyond, right? We have eternity. We're without fear. We're without harm. We're without sickness, disease, death, sorrow forever. He said, look, I've overcome this. So just know this, this is a temporary place you're in. This is a temporary season. I have purchased for you after this season's over, after, after your time on earth is over, I have purchased for you complete redemption from everything harming you or making you afraid. <laughs> everything that would steal your joy. I've completely overcome it. And so stay with me. I'll give you peace. And of course, many victories here as well. But I've overcome this world. And it's only a matter of time until forever and ever you experience 
full and eternal salvation from all of the tribulation of this world. <laughs> that may not seem like a lot, but if you can get your mind around that, and no, it's kind of like somebody, uh, it's kind of like something happening in your life, and it's like, oh man, like you just got wiped out, and you, you know, you're virtually bankrupt, and you have no money in anything, and somebody calls you and says, hey, listen, uh, did you get the check that I sent you? No. Okay, it'll probably be there tomorrow. I sent you a check, and they give you an amount. I mean, it could be a million dollars. It's going to pay off all your debt, pay off your house maybe, pay off everything, and you're going to have plenty of money in the bank. Well, you don't have it yet. But just the fact that you know that this is on its way, the pressure's off. You'll call your friends. You'll say, hey, check it out. Check it out. See, you're no longer under stress. You're no longer under anxiety because you've received the word that... There's a season about to commence that solves every fear, concern, pressure that you have. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, be of good cheer. (laughs) I beat it for you. I beat sickness. I beat eternal damnation. I beat depression, discouragement, persecution. I beat all of that. And so you may be experiencing those things now, (laughs) but be of good cheer. This is about over. And forever and ever, you're going to experience what I provided for you in salvation. Folks, this is real. This is what Jesus did for us. And we need to focus on it. We need to believe it. We need to thank God for it. And we need to keep telling ourselves, hey, what I'm dealing with right now in this life, it's temporary. (laughs) There's another season coming through Jesus. And that season and blessing will last forever. Praise God. Well, Next chapter, we'll get into this marvelous, insightful prayer that Jesus prayed just before he is arrested in the garden and really coming to the Father and just before this plays out and he goes into the progression toward the crucifixion. So be with us tomorrow and let's, let, let's listen to Jesus pray this powerful prayer. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.